Welcome back to Smash Your Crypto. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Um, we appreciate the love and support. We appreciate you just tuning in week by week. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe to the podcast. Today, we have Prakash, the CEO and co-founder of Engine Starter. They've been uh, in Dubai for the last two years, and just to see how far they've gone and the initiative that they've taken, working with over 70 companies and their care and dedication to climate change, um, it's such a juxtaposing industry to what they're actually known for. So just to see the care and involvement, very, very interesting and commendable. So yeah, hope you enjoy the episode. Welcome back to Smashy Crypto. Today we're joined by Prakash Somosundram, the CEO and co-founder of Engine Starter. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure. Of yeah. course, pleasure is all ours. So before we get started and dive right in, can you tell us more about Engine Starter and how it first established? Sure. So we're a two-year-old company. Uh, mm-hmm. We started out in Singapore. Um, we are a launchpad. Uh, we identify projects that we want to invest in. Uh, we help them raise capital and we put them on our platform. Uh, To date, we have invested in 70 companies and helped 50 of them uh, raise capital using our platform. Uh, And at this point in time, we're very excited uh, about Dubai, and Dubai is a big part uh, of our roadmap ahead. So your um, move to Dubai or expanding to Dubai, why was that um, on your radar? Well, Dubai is the epicenter of the world uh, when it comes to crypto. Um, I think everyone around the world is now looking to have a Dubai story. Uh, and in order for us to really have uh, uh, you know, a strong presence here, uh, we needed to get you know, boots on the ground, and that's currently what we're doing. So we're building a team here. Uh, we also recently announced that we uh, got a VARA license, or so in the process of getting that uh, into a full license. Uh, and that pretty much kind of defines the plans that we have uh, here. Uh, and you know, we're definitely building a team here, and we'll have a strong presence here. So you mentioned earlier that there's been over 70 companies that you've worked with. And for such a short period of time, that's astonishing. You know, those are goals that people aspire for in five years even, you know. Right. So what do you think about what you guys provide made you distinctive and so successful? Sure. I, I guess it's really the value that we bring as a team. Um, a lot of projects come to us because they want marketing support, uh, as well as the access to the investors that, you know, we've had. Uh, mm-hmm. We work very closely with over 100 uh, crypto VCs, uh, and we always tailor, make uh, each fundraise uh, for a client. We'll make sure that we value add to them beyond just capital, but also kind of giving them a whole range of support, you know, pre-fundraising and also post-fundraising. Uh, and that's something that, you know, the team continues to build upon. And I, I would say that that's one of the key value propositions that we have. So with you being in Dubai, uh, like you mentioned, you're at the epicenter, you get to almost foresee and foreshadow what happens um, in the industry with gaming and entertainment and just the industry as a whole. What do you predict and what do you foresee? Sure, I think there's going to be a whole lot of uh, projects that are going to be looking to come uh, to Dubai, use Dubai as a base uh, to the region, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. this region has a lot of young people uh, and the youth market kind of drives uh, our industry. A lot of them would be early adopters in the games that we're bringing into the space. But it's not, uh, you know, it's not a cookie cutter, right? Mm-hmm. What has worked in Southeast Asia, we can't just uh, plonk it into the region. We need to work with a lot of local partners. We need to create a local flavor. And that is exactly what we're looking at. Building out a whole lot of partnerships, uh, connecting with the right stakeholders and mm-hmm. then you know using that playbook to kind of bring in a whole lot more projects 
So talk to me a bit more about you work in a lot of different regions. How do you tailor what you do to fit the different regions and the different requirements and people's habits in general? Yeah, so I guess it's really the, you know, the understanding the needs of the market. Um, you know, every market has got a different thing that actually motivates them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for us, you know, having that localized flavor and being able to connect the dots is uh, the key thing that we always look for. And the only way that we do that is, you know, having boots on the ground, you know, working with the right partners uh, and kind of connecting with the right people is what uh, we always look for. Uh, and that's primarily what we're building upon. So um, just last year in Feb, you had the $5 million investment. So okay. since then, how has that money been implemented and what have you been working on since? Sure. So we were very fortunate to have uh, done our Series A, mm-hmm. uh, which we raised $5 million from a group called True Global Ventures. Which congratulations, uh, by the way. Thank you. Uh, and we're also very honored that you know TGV uh, was an early investor into Animoca as well as mm-hmm. the Sandbox. Uh, and they still continue investing into Animoca up till today. Um, so we, you know, we are very fortunate to have a lot of support from the network. Um, our entire uh, expansion into Dubai was uh, mooted by them exactly mm-hmm. a year ago. We started the process in May uh, last year, and it was them who was connecting us to all the right people. Um, so having a good investor to journey with us on this journey, especially in crypto, where things happen, you know, very quickly, it's very mm-hmm. volatile. Uh, but getting the right support would mean that we are aligned to the right people. Uh, the bulk of the investment really is going into our operational needs, including the market expansion that we're working on. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, you know, continuously kind of building our platform so that we will uh, continue serving our community very efficiently. Uh, but the work never ends. You know, we constantly will need to run a whole lot of events, uh, both online and offline. And that's a big part of what we do where we are building ecosystems mm-hmm. uh, and it needs to be something that we provide value and not just take value and that's something that takes time uh, and that's something that we're constantly working on. Uh, we either partner someone who's more established here and participate with them or we actually host a lot more smaller scale events uh, where we actually can get a lot more value out of it. So you've also worked on projects like Halo which That's a part of my childhood and I'm pretty sure everyone else um, in this office. So when you take a project like that, that's so cherished and has such a feel and look to it, how do you bring it to today's age and what are you doing for such established projects or games or any forms of entertainment? Sure. So we're definitely seeing a lot more high quality AA, AAA games that are Mm -hmm. now coming into Uh, Web3 uh, and a lot of these studios have you know had a lot of experience working on um, large-scale games traditionally but coming into Web3 is going to be a whole new ball game uh, and that's kind of where we kind of help them from a tokenomics perspective from a community okay. uh, building perspective I think the key value that Web3 brings in gaming at this point of time is the ownership right where you mm-hmm. can actually own the digital asset that you're creating and you know if they're certain assets that are of high value, you can actually extract that value and that's kind of really the key value that Web3 brings and that's something that we'll constantly be building upon. So the transition from Web2 to Web3, where are people going wrong would you say? I, I would still say that a lot of people are still looking at it from a speculative perspective okay. uh, and everyone's buying um, a lottery ticket, right? But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, um, the key still is entertainment, the games need to be engaging and 
provide that entertainment value and all the other value that comes with it is actually secondary. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think a lot of projects need to focus more on providing that value um, so that more people come, participate and grow with them. Uh, and I think that's really what uh, we're seeing the, the shift happening in the last two years. So you're saying like the familiar familiarity of uh, traditional forms of entertainment, but with incentive to see it in this new light or in this different lens, basically. That's right. And giving people a new way that they can actually monetize their time. Yeah. Um, because a lot of people are putting you know money and time into a game, uh, but sometimes they're not able to monetize that, and mm -hmm. that's where Web3 is going to come and you know, offer people a way to kind of supplement their income. Of course, if they become very good at the game, they could become professional in that. Amazing. So uh, you were mentioning earlier that you got your VAR license as well. Can you talk to us more about that? Sure. So I guess, uh, you know, it's an aspiration that we had that, um, you know, operating in the digital asset space, uh, we wanted to be regulated. There's mm -hmm. no need for us uh, to be regulated, but we felt that, you know, being part of a regulated environment will actually advance um, you know, the, the growth of the company. Uh, and Vara, you know, being a new regulator and very innovative in the way that they were mm -hmm. doing uh, stuff, uh, you know, got us really excited. Uh, and we knew that Dubai is going to play a very key role in the global digital asset uh, space. So we said, you know, let's start that process. Let's embark on that process. Um, it's taken us a year, but you know, we're advancing and we're learning and we're adapting. Uh, and this will now kind of give us that infrastructure to what we want to build on a long-term basis. We want to bring a whole lot of trust uh, into the ecosystem and being regulated is one important aspect in that. Uh, with that trust, we believe a lot more new people will come into the space. Uh, and this could be investors, this could be speculators, this, this could also be projects that are actually looking at raising capital in a very regulated fashion. Can you elaborate more on the different um, approaches the regulations does help you and the different uh, partnerships or businesses that you work with? Sure. Um, so, you know, primarily what we are working towards is getting uh, a token advisory license. Okay. Uh, this allows us to actually work uh, with projects. It could be a startup mm -hmm. right up to a large uh, MNC. Uh, and we can actually now provide them token advisory work in a regulated manner. And it means that you know, the, the service that we provide is going to be of high value. Uh, and again, you know, that brings a whole lot of trust. And we believe this would mean a lot more larger corporates will actually come to us for these services. Okay. Uh, and this is a new space, but we believe that we all need to mature. Uh, and being regulated is one key step for us in that direction. Amazing. And also, uh, climate impact has been something else that you've added to your portfolio. That's right. Can you talk to us more about that? Sure. So I guess, you know, in the past uh, two years, I think what we've seen is Web3 has this ability to crowdfund and mm -hmm. to do big things if the community um, sees what the, the, the vision is uh, and they can come together. Uh, and we've seen the power of them being able to galvanize a whole lot of capital, mm -hmm. right? We've seen that with meme coins, we've seen that uh, with a whole range of other projects, but we felt that why not now take another step forward, mm -hmm. use the community to actually do good, right? We believe mm -hmm. that Web3 uh, needs to serve the real world, uh, okay. and with that, a lot more new people will come. Uh, and climate action is something that affects all of us, right? I mean, of course. I was just sharing with you before we got on air how hot it was and so hot. everyone was saying how uh, summer has arrived mm -hmm. um, early 
uh, here in Dubai this year. But you know, it's it's something that we all now will need to play a part. Uh, and we believe that we can actually now harness the power of Web3 to actually do good and bring a whole lot of new pe people into the space. Um, and we believe that um, one small step in this is what we call um, um, carbon credits. Mm -hmm. uh, and we're looking at bringing carbon credits into the chain. Uh, this solves a lot of the problems that past uh, carbon credits projects have experienced. And again, the blockchain now has a real-world utility. It brings in a whole lot of trust and provenance. And from the time we create those carbon credits to the time that it gets retired, it's going to be having a life cycle on the blockchain. And this is where we see a whole lot of value. Mm -hmm. uh, and this is kind of our um, beginning into um, leveraging our skill sets, leveraging the platforms that we're building, leveraging the communities that we're building to actually do good. Uh, and we strongly believe that you know we can make the world a better place, mm -hmm. uh, leveraging the skills and the platforms you know that we have access to. Can you elaborate more on that as to what a world with Web three and um, climate activism in general looks like? And could you elaborate a bit more on the carbon credits and how is that going to be used in uh, daily life, basically? Sure. Um, so carbon credits at this point in time is something that uh, exists in two aspects. There's mm -hmm. a compliance market where a lot of polluters will need to do it okay. uh, and there's also a voluntary market where people or companies uh, choose to do it because they want to be a green uh, brand they want to be seen to be doing something sustainable uh, but we believe that in order for us to achieve some of these big um, targets that have been set by the governments uh, we all need to work together mm -hmm. uh, and every aspect of society has a role to play uh, right from us as consumers to even SMEs and small and medium enterprises. Um, and carbon credits are that catalyst to actually kind of help us move towards a much more sustainable way. Uh, and what we are hoping to uh, bring uh, is democratization in this space, where it's no longer just something that large companies will participate, but something everyone, including small companies, can also participate. Um, you can buy carbon credits to kind of offset um, your carbon footprint just as a start in this journey before mm -hmm. you actually look at other options where you even prevent uh, creating some of this uh, carbon. Um, so it's a long process. We believe that we have, everyone has got a small part to play. What we are looking at doing is bringing projects, matching them to the right consumers, leveraging the power of Web3 communities to first educate uh, mm -hmm. on the importance of reducing our carbon footprint and next step allowing people to actually take action okay. um, they can actually participate in some of the activities that will bring about so it's not just about organizations having the uh, corporate social responsibility you want it to be a compliance thing to where we all have a responsibility not just as organizations but as people too and every little helps basically exactly. to lead to a bigger goal. How um, close is the implementation from where we are today? Well, I, I would say within the next uh, three months, we'll start. Okay. Uh, so we're using the summer period um, to actually do a lot of the development work that we need to do. Uh, okay. We've already started um, supporting some of the projects. We've got access to a lot of that assets, but now um, you know, bringing it to market will need us some time uh, to communicate and to tell the right stories, and that's currently what we are embarking on. Okay. Uh, and this year is a very important year um, for the UAE. 
uh, it is the year of sustainability, mm-hmm. uh, and it's also the year that um, you know you guys are hosting COP28. Um, and again, you know, we're trying to see if there's a way that we can actually get a lot more civil participation, getting a lot more consumers and brands to kind of participate in this, and beyond just you know waiting till the end of the year where all the countries come together here in Dubai. We feel between now till then, you know, there's a whole lot of uh, activities and participation that we can bring about, increase awareness, and also you know getting everyone to come in and participate in this whole journey together. So with individuals, I think um, that it comes down to the people and I think that everyone's willing to help and everyone's willing to participate to make a difference. Um, and same with organizations, for a lot of different reasons, they're willing to do what's needed. But what's the incentive that you think is going to help steer the wheel? Sure. I, I would say that the millennials, right, that the, mm-hmm. the, the, the millennial generation is very, very focused on this, right? Which brand they're going to work with which brand they're going to purchase from matters to them. Uh, and we feel that this is where, you know, the brands can also kind of play a role to show that they're actually doing something in a sustainable manner. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're working um, uh, with a lady called Karen Story, uh, and she's got an aspiration to plant a million mangrove trees uh, here in the UAE as a lead up towards COP28. And we feel excited. Because, you know, when me and Vase, our MD here in, in Dubai, actually went to Jabal Ali Wildlife Sanctuary to actually plant it ourselves, we felt the connection, right? We felt that, you know, just beyond just kind of talking about it socially or, you know, just talking about it online, we actually went down there and when we did that, um, <clears throat> we felt good. And we, when we actually shared that on our social media, a lot of com- our community members actually gave us a lot of positive feedback. Amazing. And that was kind of like that, you know, um, tipping point that we said, you know, the direction that we're heading is great. We know the people will come. Mm-hmm. Um, it's beyond just um, doing it for the money, but it's also now doing it for the good. Uh, and when coming back to your question, I think brands are also going to start to see that there's a triple bottom line, right? They're going to make money. They're going to engage with their community and they're also going to be doing good for the environment. Mm -hmm. And that's going to be the way all businesses will be operating in the very near future. Amazing. And also you were talking earlier about COP28. Uh, Can we expect your involvement there? Sure. I mean, you know, it's a platform that we're very excited about. And I think, um, you know, the UAE or Dubai, when you guys do anything, it's going to be the best. Uh, We are exploring getting a presence there. Um, We are looking to bring... Uh, more startups um, and definitely that's a place that we will not just um, you know showcase opportunities but to show the work that we have done this year uh, and through that platform to actually inspire a lot more people to come and join us in this journey that we're headed. Amazing, well said. And if people want to find you or just uh, look you up or get in touch, how can people do so? Sure, I mean you can check out our website Engine Starter. We're very active on all social fronts. Uh, from Twitter to Facebook. Um, But yeah, feel free to reach out. Uh, If there's anyone that wants to reach out to me, they can uh, find me on LinkedIn too. Perfect. Thank you so much for your time. Pleasure. And guys, that is it from us at Smashy Crypto. Join us next week, same time, same place. Goodbye from me.